Hey there, welcome to episode six of Claim the Stage. I'm Angela Lucier, a speaker, author, trainer, and your host. Claim the Stage is a podcast for creative, entrepreneurial women who want to inspire audiences and get paid. I want to start by saying a huge thank you to everyone who has subscribed to my show on iTunes. I'm so appreciative of your ratings and reviews, and most of all, I'm really glad you're listening and that you're loving it. It means a lot to me to know that it's not just me and my cats tuning in. Okay, on today's show, I have a very special interview with Leslie Karen Hammond. She's a speaker, an author, and a confident speaking expert. We're going to talk about her new book, Keep It Real, Why We're Afraid to Speak Up, and What to Do About It. I love this book because it's such a great example of what the next generation of how-to books should look. It's short, it's simple, and it has lots of actionable tips you can try out right away. I love short books. They scream, you can do this. And reading them is fun. It doesn't feel like a 10-year commitment. It's maybe a few hours of reading, and then you have lots of time to review your notes and think about what you read. How awesome is that, right? We don't talk about book publishing in this episode, but her book makes me think about all the speakers who want to write a book because she shows us that you don't need to write the next great American novel. You just have to create something useful, interesting, and short. Shorter is better. So if you think short means it's not valuable, think about how many books you have piled up next to your nightstand right now in your to-read pile. How long are those books? Imagine they were under 100 pages and very easy to read. Maybe you would get to them sooner. After all, the idea isn't just to buy the book, but to actually read the book. And Leslie reminds us with her book to write something that is readable. Another example of a book I couldn't wait to read and actually finished in under two hours is Derek Sivers' book, Anything You Want. There are so many gems in there, and it's only 87 pages. It teaches 40 lessons for what he calls the new kind of entrepreneur. And I love reading a chapter each morning or when I have a free minute, because each chapter is only one to three pages long, and they all tell a good story or ask a thought-provoking question. So if you're thinking about writing a book, consider keeping it short, keeping it specific, and packing it full of actionable tips. Without further ado, my interview with Leslie Karen Hammond. Today, I want to welcome Leslie Karen Hammond to the show. I'm very excited to have her. Leslie is a confident speaking expert. She's been in private practice helping people transform self-doubt into confidence for over 16 years. She's dedicated to influencing the way people show up in the world and speak their truth. Her Native American heritage, spiritual practices, and extensive training in understanding and feeling the pain of the human condition has helped thousands. She has been called a powerful presence and an inspirational leader. Leslie is the author of the brand new book, Keep It Real, Why We're Afraid to Speak Up and What to Do About It. Leslie says, Keep It Real is much more than an invitation to acknowledge what keeps you silent. You'll gain a profound sense of self, achieve clarity on how you process information, and awaken your compassion for others. When you're ready to start speaking your truth, 
It will provide tools to prepare you for the conversation. The journey begins with understanding the emotional charge behind why you communicate the way you do. Once you see how lifelong communication patterns were formed, you'll be better equipped to tune into what people are saying versus what they truly mean. I'm so excited to welcome you to the show today, Leslie. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Angela. I am super excited to be here. Um, I have so many questions. I got to read your book a couple months ago, and I think I dog-eared almost every single page, and there are notes all over. I was like, I want to share this book, but I don't know if anyone will be able to read it. <laughs> I, took, I took so many notes. <laughs> it's such a, a quick read, but it has so much power because you tell great stories, the information is actionable, and you leave the reader with a lot of questions to ask themselves to help with reflection and where they want to go next. So it took me a long time to just get this list of questions down to 10, <laughs> but I hope that we can hit on some of the important pieces that that speakers are thinking about and, and women in general who want to find their voice and share it with the world. So let's start with um, you telling us about your work and who you help and how you transform them. Oh, well, great. Thank you again. Well, for me, it's been such a privilege to you know, work with women and heart-centered men to help them shift their perspectives and shift the energy behind the way they show up, which ultimately impacts their habits. So getting people to understand the value of their stories and the contributions that they are meant to make is huge because I don't care how confident any woman is, there's always a part of her that doubts if she's good enough. And it's, it's always amazing to me. And I mean, you've seen this a lot in the speaking realms where a woman will get down from the stage and will be complimented on her talk and half or better than half of the time, they will dispute the compliment. Yes. Why, why is that? <laughs> I don't know, but it makes me crazy. It's, I just want to say, say to them, say thank you and smile and leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. Keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> so how did your book come about? Well, there was a period in time when I wasn't comfortable speaking up and that became the starting point because it's so important for people to feel valued and to feel like they deserve to be heard. And so oftentimes in our experiences of growing up and in relationships, we've all encountered a situation where someone didn't want to hear what we had to say. And the reasons that we don't speak up and feel, you know, the reasons that we feel inferior are very prevalent when not addressed they can continue to keep someone in a pattern for a lifetime and it just kills me to see people who don't feel comfortable enough speaking up I mean difficult conversations will never go away so why not step into them and get to the other side faster so that you don't have to feed the situation of being uncomfortable or stressed any longer than necessary yeah. Yes. I love it. Now your book dedication states, this book is dedicated to every person who kept quiet because she or he didn't want to make waves. If you've ever felt like your opinion didn't count, I'm here to tell you it does. The next time anyone asks you, who do you think you are? You will be prepared to answer them. 
Now, can you tell us why you chose to make this your dedication and what it means to you? Oh, absolutely. I went from being an incredibly independent young woman, moved out of the house when I was 16, and you just could not tell me what to do. I knew everything, like a lot of teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went from being this really independent person and went into a marriage where I thought this guy was my knight in shining armor, came to save me, and it turned out that he was very controlling, and it became a codependent relationship where essentially I lost my voice, and it it was an 18-year marriage to an alcoholic, and for some reason, there was a part of me that felt I deserved this, and this was due to something I must have done at some point down the road. And it took me a long time to come out of that and to realize that, you know what, I am worthy of so much more. I deserve to be heard. And this has got to stop. Was there a moment in your life during that marriage where you said, I can't take this anymore? Or was there like a a thought you had or some kind of epiphany or something that made you realize that you you do deserve a better life? Or was it just an ongoing kind of personal work you were doing for yourself that finally led you to build the confidence to, to leave? Well, it started when I got pregnant with my son. And At that time, all the crazy, unresponsible behavior needed to come to an immediate halt, (laughs) you know, because it was, you know, I was no longer responsible for just myself. But that wasn't, I mean, that was the catalyst to get the process rolling. However, it still took me a really long time to fully step into it because when we know a situation, good, bad, or indifferent, it's comfortable. And that's where so many people get stuck and end up staying because they would much rather contend with something they can project an outcome of with some accuracy than go into a situation where they have no idea what's going to happen. So at least when you're, you know, when you're in an unhealthy relationship for a long period of time, you have your experience to fall back on. You have a sense of what will happen. If you do this, okay, then I can expect this. If he does this, then I can expect this or she or what have you. And we get, we get in that pattern. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it really takes a concerted effort and a, and a commitment to come out of that. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you had a lot of life experience that helped you to become credible to write this book because you experienced it, you lived it, and you came out on the other side finding your voice. So in the chapter called Are We Born This Way, you say, are you worthy? You are worthy of being heard, seen, and experienced. Anyone who tells you otherwise feels threatened by you or doesn't fully understand you. Was that something you had to learn for yourself as well? And can you explain that a little bit? Oh, I I can. It was always amazing to me how the rooms of Al-Anon are what led me to what my true calling was, working with people in... So I I come to 
the situation working with people and where they're at from a very different perspective so i've been working in people's energy fields and you know i'm a medicine woman so my approach is like very out of the box and it wasn't until stepping in the rooms of Al-Anon that i realized well you can't change someone and through the course of all the work i've done you know over the years it became more and more apparent that people show up in the way that they were conditioned so if someone in their own upbringing and throughout their own life experience, if they were never conditioned or seen someone being supported, then they've got no frame of reference. If you, know, you can see something, and that's one thing, but if you've never directly experienced it, then how can you expect someone to understand it? So they have a very... Um, focused lens on how they show up in the world and when people don't when the, here's a good thing I had a friend who every time I ever went to say something to her about a new experience or I had a challenge with something she'd always start off with oh been there done that <laughs> <laughs> and I mean she was 20 years older than me so I respected her for it but she would always try and make me feel like she had my best interest at heart when she was approaching the conversation based on her own life experience. So any fears that she may have had with her family situation or in a relationship or what have you, that was the only way that she could advise me. So when I had a, situa you know, a situation or a problem that was out of her scope of experience, I mean, there was only one way that she knew how to show up. And when people can only come to a conversation from that perspective, they don't listen as actively and their mind isn't as open because chances are you're talking and they're processing, thinking about what they're going to say to you based on their experience in relation to what you're telling them. They aren't listening wholeheartedly and giving you their undivided attention. Yeah, I find that happens a lot. And, you know, we talk a lot about training to find your voice and say what you really want to say. But I think there also needs to be training on how to listen <laughs> and how to sit and just be an active listener and not interject and not... Um, you know, interrupt people. I find people are, are constantly interrupting me and I find it so agitating because I just want to finish my thought. So I think about that too, like just the idea of letting people talk and people actually listening to the words and, and being there, being present with them and just letting them express themselves. That's actually kind of a rare trait. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it truly is. And I, I think part of it comes from People who have not always been heard, therefore, they have a lot of ideas going on in their head and they'll spew something out because they're worried about forgetting it. Mm. And then also, uh, by the same token, people are so used to the social media instant gratification that they're like flitting from one thing to the next to the next so quickly that they're not used to sitting still. Yeah. Interesting. 
Okay, another quote I circled and put about 45 stars around in your book <laughs> was when you said, when children don't experience fitting in, they usually grow up in one of two ways. Either they become hyper-focused and very successful adults, or they rebel in an effort to fit in. The more rebellious may return to destructive behavior. I was initially the latter of the two. How did you turn this around, and when did you realize you needed to change? When I became pregnant, that was really a catalyst for so much of my transformation because it was no longer about me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'd spent a healthy portion of my life, my young life, being selfish. And when it came time to make it about someone else, that just, it shifted everything. And I mean, I totally went through that whole rebellious stage. And for the longest time, I had said that by the time I was 18, I had lived more than most people that were 35. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing that you talk about that's very important in in creating healthy change in your life is having healthy relationships so that people can support you and empower you as you you know try and build a healthier version of yourself so in the critic in the inner critic chapter you say it's through the support of others that you will thrive as your healthy relationships build you'll feel more comfortable speaking up your opinions will be valued your ideas challenged in a healthy way and your confidence will soar How do you recommend finding healthy relationships like this? And how do you minimize or even recognize if you're in toxic relationships? Well, first of all, it's important to set your intent. Because if that's not done, it will be too easy to fall off the wagon, so to speak. So that's always, I mean, that's, that's paramount in absolutely everything I do. And I believe it's paramount in everything that most of us as um, speakers or entrepreneurs do, or do. We have a powerful intent. So in, you know, to find healthier, healthier relationships, it's really important to recognize what doesn't feel good. Even if it is familiar, you know, we all have that internal compass or that, um, you know, in the solar plexus area, right at the, you know, at the rib cage, we know, we get this guttural sense, you know, when something is not right. And we have a very strong muscle memory. So it's that flight, uh, or fight or flight instinct, you know, that kicks in. So in order to be able to find healthier relationships and furthermore embrace them, we need to recognize what we don't want and what doesn't work. And then once we do that, it's really a conscious practice of what we'll settle for. Because I don't know about you, but over the course of my lifetime, I've settled for a lot. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, I mean, I got TMJ, and I probably still grind my teeth every once in a while as a result of that. But, you know, when we settle, we we actually take on a physical ramification of that, which we don't always notice, whether it's, you know, the teeth grinding, or we have like an acne breakout, 
or one of my all-time favorites, tongue-in-cheek, not really, about, <laughs> you know, the shoulders that come up to our ears. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, how many times through the course of a day, and I don't know about you, but for me, it could be dozens where all of a sudden I recognize that my shoulders are up there and I have to consciously pull them down. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I take my attention off it, I could find myself doing that again in five minutes. It's like, <laughs> hey, what the heck is up with that? So, know. you know, so it's really, you know, finding the healthy relationships. It's really about recognizing what we don't want by the way of how something feels and what it triggers in our body because the body will never lie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, we talk a lot about thoughts and how to, how to, how to share those thoughts through your voice, but it's also about feelings in your body and and listening to those and, and that your body communicates in a different way. And you have to start to have that dialogue with it to understand what's working for you and what's not. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Well, the one thing I just want to tack on to that is even when we know that we want healthier relationships, we need to be very mindful of what we're asking for because if we don't have experiences with having healthy relationships, we won't know what to do with them when we get them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> That's an excellent postscript on that. So thank you for adding that. You're welcome. Now we're going to do a quick game because you give the top 10 reasons people don't speak up. And I want to invite the audience to listen to this list of 10 so everyone listening can see if they say any of these reasons to themselves when they choose to keep quiet. Number one, I will not be liked. Number two, I will be reprimanded. Number three, I don't know how to say something without being hurtful. Number four, who do I think I am? Number five, all hell will break loose. Number six, there's no one to back me up. Number seven, I'm, I'm only one person. How can I make a difference? Number eight, nothing will change anyway. Number nine, it's not worth the trouble. Number 10, no one ever listens to me or takes me seriously. So for you listening, if, if any of those sounded familiar or like things that you've maybe said out loud or that you think, pay attention to what we're going to talk about next. Because I want to know how, from, from Leslie, what do you do once you recognize that you say those things to yourself and, and you say, oh, oh, I am doing that. What are the next steps? Well, it's important to take a, a perspective of what I like to call the casual observer, meaning that when I'm exhibiting a behavior or I encounter a problem and I'm acting or thinking or feeling in a way that's unhealthy, I've gotten to the point where I can look at it almost like an out-of-body experience, not to get too woohoo on anybody, but... Um, where I can say, oh, I see what I'm doing. I need, to, I need to be mindful of this. And it's also important to consider how we got that way. So the, you know, number one, for example, like I will not be liked, that can bring people back to grade school experiences when they got asked to go to the front of the class and to say something and they got chastised, you know, laughed at, and, you know, it was a horrible experience. 
and you know the who do you think you are i mean i don't know about you know the listeners but i've heard that a time or two in my life (laughs) (laughs) so when we understand how we got that way then the next step is to be able to recognize that behavior so that we can shift gears faster every time it happens. So even though I wrote this book, I mean, I don't want the listeners to think that I am the be-all, end-all of saying everything I'm thinking and feeling all the time. There, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm human. <laughs> and, you know, and nobody's perfect. But, you know, but I will say that every time I, like, fall off the communication wagon or, you know, I, I, I just go to a place that is not the healthiest I recognize it and I pick myself back up faster and faster every time. And the reason I've been able to do that is because I am so committed to myself to make a conscious effort to shift out of that behavior because it's like a wormhole. You may start in this place, but it doesn't always end there. So usually <laughs> it's, you know, it's like the front part of a downward spiral. And, you know, depending on who we're surrounding ourselves with, I mean, that can, that can take a while to come out of. Oh, absolutely. And I always thought that once I addressed it once and I recognized and I, I was aware of the fact that I was saying things to myself, like, who do I think I am? then it was going to go away because now I knew it was there and I did the work and okay, I'm great now. I'm all set to go. And then I realized it's actually a lifelong practice that requires compassionate awareness all the time. And, and like you said, the more you notice it, the faster you get at catching it and then you can sort of move out of it and, and find a new kind of operating space. But I think that was the big myth I had to learn over the course of my twenties is that that's not, just like a thing that you read in a book one day and then you recognize it and then it's it's forever gone it's something you have to commit to changing all the time because it can slip in there at any time right oh absolutely and you know they i I learned a portion of that in my 20s in my 30s in my 40s and now in my 50s the same thing and you know i think it's helpful when we if we can look at the opposite point of view so instead of thinking I won't be liked what if we examined it from a position of I will be liked or I will be respected and one thing I have found is is so many people feel things but they don't know how to articulate them yeah and I mean that that can happen to anyone several times through the course of a day and just to you know, to highlight um, when I had said that even in my 40s, I still went, you know, through this kind of evolution of, you know, communicating better. When my second husband and I, we got married within six months of meeting each other. And in six months, you don't learn everything there is to know about a person. (laughs) Yeah. And so come the 15 month point, it was New Year's Eve. And we had what I like to call one of those come to Jesus talks, like, are we still going to stay married? Because there's some things that are not working here. So we had this conversation that was between New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. It was the equivalent to like 10 years of therapy. <laughs> and I mean, it was, it was beautiful because we created a safe space for us to say whatever we needed to say, whether it was about money, it was about emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, you name it. And 
the reason I brought this up was because there were things that I did not know how to articulate that I was feeling. And I recalled a sheet that I had, which helped me articulate what I felt because it's probably got like 300 words on the page and it can help identify and sometimes I do this with my clients if they're feeling something and you know how when somebody's in a space and they you just can't quite figure out exactly what it is and they don't even know yeah so I give people this sheet and I would love to offer it to the listeners if that would be useful to them because being able to look at this sheet and pinpoint exactly what I'm feeling at any given time helps me to shift out of that even faster because I can put a name to it. That would be amazing. How can they get that? Well, if they send me an email to leslie at confident speaker series, so that's confident, like I feel confident today, speaker like speaker of the house, and series like going to go watch the World Series. So Leslie at confidentspeakerseries.com and in the subject line write articulate what you feel and I would be more than happy to share this list with any listener that wants it because for me it's been so valuable in my own evolution as as a communicator in intimate conversations. Thank you so much that's awesome. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit back to public speaking because that's a subject that a lot of my listeners care about. And it's something that I really care about because it's a great way to connect with people, share your message and help motivate people to make positive change in their life. So one thing you say is I've always believed public speaking can be a spiritual experience. Why is that? Oh, because there is nothing more raw more real or more vulnerable than being up on a stage and sharing part of your own story as it applies to the topic you're speaking about. Yeah. I mean, it is so incredibly liberating when we can step into that space unapologetically and fully own who we are. I mean, that is like watching someone competing in the Olympics. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a thing of beauty because you know from your experiences, you know, working with speakers that you can clearly tell when someone's owning it and when someone's not. Yeah, absolutely. I always tell my students in my speaker school that public speaking is like getting a master's degree in your own psyche. <laughs> <laughs> Because you really, you really get to know yourself up there. Absolutely. <laughs> it's much different than, you know, sitting down and having a coffee with a friend. You're on a totally different level. And I do agree, it's definitely a spiritual experience. So now I want to shift into my five quick questions lightning round and just kind of get your take on the five questions I ask every guest. Number one, what advice do you have for women who are searching for their voice? Oh, I beg them to please believe with every ounce of your being that you are worth being heard. And I promise you that as uncomfortable as it may be in the beginning, it gets easier. Yeah. Number, Number two, do you have a personal operating philosophy? And if so, what is it? Oh, absolutely. Every experience is a teaching moment. 
good, bad, or indifferent. And the sooner that I can find a lesson in whatever happens, then the sooner I can grow from it and move on. Mm. What advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Mm. That I am worthy and not to settle because I'm scared. Mm. Awesome. Number four, what advice do you have for your 75-year-old self? (laughs) 75 is the new 55, baby. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Don't hold back. (laughs) And number five, if you had to pick one object to represent yourself, what would you pick? A magnet. Hmm. Do you want to share why? Oh, sure. Well, because I've gotten so much better at attracting the kind of people that I want in my life and repelling those that are unhealthy. Hmm. Awesome. And lastly, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? That means showing up energetically, physically, emotionally, and spiritually in a place of service. Love it. Mm. All right. Starting next month, you're running a birth your book challenge on Facebook. Tell us about this. Oh, yes, I am. Thank you for bringing that up. (laughs) So many people have a book in them. And for me, start the speaking was provided a natural segue into having people feel comfortable telling their story in the written form as well. And I can't honestly say I've ever met a person who didn't have a book in them. So, yeah. But most people just, they don't know where to begin. So this challenge over the course of five days is going to give people the, the insight into what it's like to take that dive into actually writing a book because the way people write and publish books has changed so significantly And I would just love to see more people telling their story. Mm -hmm. And to be able to do it in a group is nice because you get that accountability and support and you're part of a team. And because I know sitting down to write a book, sometimes you can feel like you're in isolation and you're the only one going through it. So that's a nice way to, to introduce it. Oh, absolutely. And then you've got the validation piece also, because going back to that worthiness component, there are so many people that think, well, who would want to read my story? Yeah. And you just, I mean, I just want to shake them and say, hey, own it. Look at everything (laughs) that you've done. I mean, look at all these accomplishments. Boy, it's time to start shouting that from the rooftop. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. And so what date what is the date of that when does that start uh that's going to be started it starts on the fifth of every month okay so it'll be a rolling program because if people aren't able to join it on you know in one month then they'll be able to do it in another oh that's perfect especially over the summer if people are on vacation they can jump in the next month correct perfect so how can people find you if they want to go to your website or find you on social media Well, they can go to www.confidentspeakerseries.com and there'll be, you know, there's usually a little video that's on there. I change it up every once in a while. And on Facebook, they can find me, uh, confidentspeakerseries.com. 
And that is also, I believe, uh, my Pinterest handle as well. And on Twitter, it is Confidence Builder, B-L-D-R. So at Confidence Builder. And also, I do a Blab program every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So if anybody ever goes on Blab, they can uh, check me out there. So the program is called Make an Impact. And I have entrepreneurs from all over the United States and in the UK that come on and share their experience. So we have to get you on there too. Yeah, I would love to. That sounds great. Well, Leslie, thanks so much for coming on the program today. I was really looking forward to talking with you after reading your book and just getting so much from it. So I was I just want to thank you again. This is excellent. Oh, you're welcome. I've enjoyed this very much. And I'm, you know, I really hope that the listeners got something that they can use out of this and apply to their everyday life. Great. Well, I hope to keep in touch. And if you have another book come out, keep me posted so I can devour that as well. <laughs> and have you on the podcast again. <laughs> oh, would love to. And you bet I will. All right. Thanks. You're welcome. There you have it, episode six. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. Also, please rate and review my new show so more people can find it. Next time, I'll be talking to Diane Goodman. She's the president of the Goodman Speakers Bureau in Hartford, Connecticut. Diane has been in business for 37 years. Yes, 37 years, and really knows her stuff. She works with professional speakers, celebrities, and athletes to get their stories into the world. She'll share what it means to be part of a speakers bureau, how to get into one, and how the world of speaking has changed since she got into it. It's a very interesting interview. And one last thing, if you'd like to share private feedback or suggest upcoming guests or maybe just say hi, please email me at Angela at AngelaLucier.us. Signing off for now.